0: when we start to record it. Okay. So, Johnny, it's good to hear
1: that you're um, going to be doing a retreat. And by the way, it's good to see you again. Glad to see you. Yes. You're planning on doing a retreat with Gawenka. And as I've mentioned before, I've been around the Gawenka retreats. I know what they were like When he was doing them, I also know what they were like. When he stopped doing them, and they stopped started doing them on video recorders, uh, on Mm. CDs, and uh, mostly the CDs in those days. They've got they've got DVDs now, but they're um, they're very careful not to let that stuff out in public. Mm. They don't want that. uh, All of his retreats um, that have been filmed uh put out into public because they would rather be able to control the environment for them because the, not only would the uh the tapes themselves of those um uh retreat talks be not very effective it would also diminish the value of the retreats so mm. letting those tapes out would be a lose-lose situation for everyone and so mm. they keep tight um, a better thing to say is is that just Gawanki knows when to keep his mouth shut.
2: Mm, I see.
1: All right. So let's talk about the retreats in general. The first thing is is that you you mentioned is is that the retreats they say are free. Basically, what they mean is is that um, they're the all of the retreats are basically set up for beginners every retreat is a beginner's retreat that old students are left with just sitting with new students in retreats Mm -hmm. they do have an extra retreat called the Satipatthana but basically it's um let us say second graders version of the first graders retreat
0: Mm -hmm. it's still
1: all the same thing and then they actually have longer retreats like a 30-day retreat will just be a 10-day retreat and you just triple everything
0: Mm, I see. So
1: that's basically the retreat system that has been set up from Goenka because of the training that he got in, in Burma, which, um, by the way, was through a layman named uh, Uba Ken, and Uba Ken was actually a government official uh, back in Burma in those days. Uh, in fact, he was really high class. Uh, basically, you could say that he was the the chairman of the treasury in Burma. So let's not do too much Burmese history and, and all of that, about because I know a lot about Gawanka. But let's talk about the retreats themselves and what you can expect for yourself in that retreat. That one of the things that Gawanka does not talk about very much but you can see that it's fitting in is when he is practicing in those first three days of anapana, they call it. That yep. he talk about actually seizing and controlling the breathing and making that a long, easy breath. That's the part that that is missing in his uh, in his teachings. And so, be sure to make uh, that as a part of it. That if you uh, you, I would recommend highly, just like he does, to follow their directions. Mm-hmm. And the reason that that's so important within the Gawanka system was when he got started in India, there was a lot of Indians that would come and do his retreats. But what they would do instead of his retreats is they would do the puja that they do in their Hindu temples.
2: Mm-hmm. And do, do their own thing.
1: In order to cut out the puja, he didn't want anybody with their own bells and their own beads and their own incense and all of that kind of stuff. And so he kind of made it strict by saying you've got to put away all of that stuff as well as um, uh, verbally speaking mantras under your breath and all of that kind of stuff. Let's keep it quiet here. And so they asked people to follow those directions. But those directions that he's asking to follow were because of the students in India that he had in the 1980s, early 1980s, late 1970s, and and that kind of thing, as opposed to the Westerners now. So they're giving the Westerners in Finland directions that are 50 years old and directed at a different audience. So be Mm. careful about that kind of thing that's going on and recognize that you can make some small changes by doing some addition to what they're talking about as opposed to just something completely different
0: mm-hmm.
1: yes so, so i am giving you permission in a way to kind of break their strict rule about you do what you're told and nothing else
0: mm. in,
1: into yeah go ahead and do what you're told but let's put a cherry on top of that cake also mm. yes. all right and um, and actually work with the breath in a way of letting it be relaxed and easy and and all of that. And even though um, it appears that there is some pressure on each individual to conform, because the uh, retreats have that kind of a built-in pressure, um, everybody has trouble relaxing when the whole point is to help you relax. Mm-hmm. But it's yes. very hard. Get someone who is angry to get him to relax by sitting on him. Mm-hmm. You know, pinning right. his arms down with your knees and tell him mm-hmm. to. Re- he's not going to relax. You can't get people to relax by by holding them down. You just can't do it. All right. So even though you're fe- you're feeling like <clears throat> that they're holding you down, <laughs> that's only a feeling that you have. That that too needs to relax. Yes. Yeah. Okay, that they're not holding you down, they're giving you an opportunity to relax. Mm -hmm. That's the difference. Okay, so in the Goenka retreats, especially, but many retreats also, there'll be a a part of the orientation is is that they'll take away everything that you like. If you've got a cell phone, they'll take it. If you've got a laptop, they'll take it. If you've got a book, you'll take it. It doesn't matter who the author is, whatever that's going on that you use to occupy your mind you want for the 10 days in this retreat to give that stuff up so that you can occupy the mind with the mind rather than all of the things that you've been using to occupy the mind to distract the mind from the mind in normal life you know like mm-hmm. television and radio and movies and going to shows and all that kind of entertainment is to be put aside for uh these 10 days and that gives you an enormous opportunity. And when you begin to have thoughts about, oh, poor me, I don't have what I want, in the sense of the stuff that I that I brought, always keep that sati going to remember that you're here for something different than watching your cell phone, that you're yeah. here now to watch the mind instead, and you're going to take that opportunity to do this okay and so this is a way of of practice and that what I would also just on the side is to recommend uh, to not work hard at it or make it an important point but rather on the first day people normally establish where in the hall they are going to be sitting yeah and what I would recommend is uh, on uh, for uh, either men or women, they they put men on one side and women on the other. Try to get an aisle seat. And also a, try to get one that's as close to the front as possible. Okay. What What is an aisle seat? An aisle, like you have an aisle. There's going to be a oh.
2: separation
1: between the men and the women, and people will yes. walk down that aisle way, just like you yes. have an aisle in a church.
2: Yes, yes. Okay, they I see. Have
1: aisles in movie theaters, mm-hmm. except that also op- like.
2: Go ahead. I, I just wanted to mention that uh, they they made reference several times that um, because of COVID is still a thing, so I I think there's going to be even more spacing than usual uh, in the in the sitting stuff, in the sitting hall, and that sort of thing. I'm mm-hmm. guessing. So I don't know.
1: Right. Which means that if you're late and slow, that you'll get a really back seat, and that may be that it's difficult to hear what's going on, and you may miss a lot of the stuff. Mm -hmm. But that's why I would recommend to get into the middle, to the point of close to the aisle, and also up close to the front, so that you can get a better clue about what's happening. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: That the further back people sit, the less attention they pay, and the teachers in fifth grade know that. Yes, yep. Okay, so that's the first thing, is uh, where you're going to be in in the room. And the second thing is is to not compare yourself with what the other people or the students are doing. That in fact, some of the students in there, whether you know them or not, some of them will be old students and some of them will be new students. By observing, you can begin to figure out who's an old student and who's a new student, especially by the third day. So yes. on the third day those that are enjoying themselves are probably old students and those that are miserable
0: <laughs> and
1: they, they wear their misery with pride mm-hmm. okay. so <clears throat> become aware of that that the, the invitation is to see that misery and come out of it mm-hmm. and yet people go to these Goenka retreats really not ready for them You can imagine that somebody has never done a retreat, never done any meditation, probably hasn't done any much of Buddhism. But because of uh, circumstances, have found themselves into a Blanca retreat. They're completely not ready for.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. This this is almost guaranteed for high quality misery. (laughs) Yeah, I can see that. All right. Make sure that you're going into the there with the attitude that you're not going to get missile, that you're going to become a winner. Mm. That you can handle this Goenka retreat. That you can say that the Goenka retreats are the absolute boot camp of Buddhism. <laughs> but it's not SEAL training. I know where the SEAL training is too, but first you gotta go through boot camp. <laughs>
2: and goin' mm. go-
1: operates a boot camp.
2: Where's the seal training Thailand?
1: Uh. Both Thailand and in Tibet. They've Hmm. got some pretty deep training systems there too, but yes. That's that's correct. Uh, Not much real seal training yet in in the West because we don't have any students ready for seal training.
0: Mm -hmm. They'd rather
1: be teachers than Get the real training. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Funny how that works, by the way, and I think that that's quite brilliant. I I figured that out in in university. It was a big deal there. in the sense that those who can do, and those who can't teach. Have you ever heard that phrase? Before? Yes.
2: Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Well. The reason that there are no boot camps in uh the West is because nobody can do those boot camps. And those who can't teach Dhamma. Mm. So uh not boot camp, sorry, but uh, uh SEAL training. Yes. Uh, so anyway, uh the boot camp can be ferocious enough if you let it be. Mm. One of the things that make it ferocious is that they do not do any walking meditation. It's not a formalized thing they do, or even talk about, or even know about. That's something that I would say is a big hole in Goenka's teaching style and method and whatnot. not, mm. is, is that they don't. So what that means is that whatever walking that you have to do on their campus from the meditation hall to your dorm or to the kitchen or to whatever like that that's the time for you to do walking meditation in the sense of being mindful of every step that you take be there with the body be there with the breathing and be there with the relax of how nice it is to be able to just stand and walk because you're going to be doing a lot of sitting
2: <laughs> yeah yeah
1: so that that's one thing is the walking meditation places to sit and also to be sure that you're adding that extra ingredient that goenka he he kind of talks about it in kinds of mentions it it's part of the pattern you can actually pick up that Deontwanka knows what he's talking about, but he doesn't put it as part of his formal meditation method of practice. It's almost like that he didn't read all of the Anapanasati Sutta.
0: Mm.
1: He only read part of it, okay? And that basically then the culmination of the Kawenka retreat is going to be step three of Anapanasati, which is experiencing the body And that's where they do the body scanning. The body scanning that's done in the Goenka retreat is a very, very powerful, powerful tool. I would highly recommend any student who's ready for it to do a Goenka retreat simply so that they can practice this um, uh, waking up the body. But you also, in that time, there's going to be what they refer to as three days of anapanasati, and then seven days of scanning. Yeah. All right. The three days of Anapanasati, you're going to do with mindfully breathing correctly by focusing on the breathing. When you start with the body scanning, you're not going to actually stop the breathing. Nobody body scans while they're not breathing. Everybody's yes. continuing to breathe. If What that means then is is that the tools that you're gaining and working with in the first three days, you add those to the last seven days. A lot of students think that there's first grade three days and then second grade seven days of uh, body scanning. And you don't do what you did in the first grade, you do what you're doing in the second grade. No, the second grade is to build on and so also. Make sure that when you're doing the body scanning that you're breathing well, you're breathing long, mm-hmm. and slow, and relaxed, and you begin to experience the body actually experiencing and relaxing. Most people, if they're not watching what's going on, they, they wind up having so many negative thoughts about the retreat that they sit there for seven days watching their body tense up. Right. Instead of watching their body relax. Mm. Okay, so this is the, uh, another feature, is to allow those long, deep breaths to help you continue to get the body to relax. Because step four of Anapanasati is to relax the body. Mm. But let's not stay at this step three and only scanning, 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 and more scanning, and a bit more scanning. And now you have to sit and scan for an hour without moving. Okay, mm. this I mean, they just make it tougher and tougher on you. Your job is to make it easier and easier on yourself while they're making it tougher and tougher. Mm. That's my advice. Now, watch out for day six because day six is notorious for being below spot.
2: Mm. Why is that?
1: Well, because by day seven, people can begin to get the idea of of light at the end of the tunnel. I can get by this now. But on day six, Mm. that's when we're kind of at the bottom of the barrel. Oh, no. (laughs) How bad can this
2: get? I see, I see, yeah
1: And so all the Goenka students uh, Are volunteers They know about day six generally That day six seems Mm -hmm. to be Everybody in the whole place is just miserable On day six (laughs) (laughs) Yes But you don't have to be You don't have to follow the maddening crowd Mm -hmm. You can stay up You can stay bright Okay Yes. That's an important thing now we can go on to a few more things that you can do while you're in there that will that Gawenka will kind of mention in his talks and whatnot. Like these are good ideas or these are nice stories. But basically, what we need to do is to see that those are actually aspects of Anapanasati and need to be applied in this retreat. Hmm. Okay. For instance, he does talk about the trilokana and arising and falling. You need to also pay attention not to just the arising and the falling of the breath and the chest, but also the arising and falling of mind moments, like what's in the mind, and how that what's ever in the mind just is there temporarily. It arises, and then it passes away, and something else arises and passes away, and something else arises and passes away. Start paying attention to that anicca. Start paying attention to the fact that things are arising and passing away, Um, actually now you're beginning to see that they're arising and passing away at a very rapid pace, a ferocious Mm -hmm. level. And so um, this is actually, now we're talking about step 13, 14, 15, and 16 of Anapanasati, which is actually the practice of what are we going to do with the mind, and now we've got the mind fit for work. The problem with the Goenka retreats, the way that they've got it set up, is very rarely do people actually get their mind into a state to where it's fit for work. But by adding the joy and also uh, the, the sati of keeping the mind very, very clear, we can um, enter into that state where the mind is really perceptive, where we can see. Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa calls it a mind fit for work. And Mm -hmm. what the Buddha refers to it as applied and sustained thought in the sense that we can apply our mind to something and then keep it there to sustain it. So at one time or another, you're going to be able to apply your mind to see how things arise in the mind and then sustain watching it fall, watching things arise, watching them fall. And keep doing that. Keep watching. Keep, Keep keeping the mind. In other words, don't let something arise and then wander off with it. Yes, but you watch it rise and then die and then come back again and then die and then arise again and then die everything. In fact, we begin to pay more attention to the passing away rather than the arrival.
2: Mm, yes. OK, the ending of it rather than the the arising of it.
1: That this is a major part of the practice is to see things one by one as they occur as they arise and as they pass away. Mm -hmm. So the kind of questions that you're going to be asking yourself in a very, very wholesome way, which these questions that I'm talking about are actually part of the investigation, one's right view. And so you're going to be asking yourself the kind of questions about, is my mind capable of staying on a sustained position? Another kind of question that you're going to ask yourself, in other words, you're you're actually investigating the ability to, to apply and sustain the mind. Mm. Okay, so pay attention to that. Watch for it. Understand that that's one of the things that the Buddha would recommend that you look at. Another one would be how is your sukha? How good do you feel? How is mm-hmm. your pity? How is your effort? How is your sati? In other words, you begin to investigate these eightfold noble paths points as well as the states of mind that you're in while you're either on your way into jhana or in jhana
0: mm-hmm.
1: yes Just to pay attention to the jhana factors okay is my mind distracted or am i on point? Mm-hmm. first question second question is is that uh am i using language that my thoughts are to gladden the mind to brighten the mind to uh keep Everything really steady because a lot of people are going to be miserable around you, and that misery is going to be picked up. And here you are just Mm. floating in the air. Okay. And so you got to be aware of that. You got to be aware of your enthusiasm. Pay close attention to the jhana factors. Pay close attention to the Eightfold Noble Path, uh, most specifically, right view, right sati, right effort, um, right attitude. Watch your attitude. Ask yourself. Um, often about uh, that question, because everybody in that room, everybody there is going to ask the kind of question, when is this going to be over, and how can I get out (laughs) early?
2: Yes.
1: Okay. And the answer is, is that you're going to have the uh, the fortitude to not just stay in that 10-day retreat, but to enjoy the heck out of it.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. To become a
1: winner in that retreat, not a loser trying to escape. Okay, this is Samasantapa, the right attitude. Have a right attitude about these guys are setting this retreat up to help you for your benefit.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay,
1: they're actually holding your feet to the fire just so that you can observe what it's like. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: you can let Goenka's retreat hold your feet to your own mental fires and you can quench them
0: Hmm.
2: right
1: because they're really not doing anything that's the whole point of it is they've got it set up so that there's nothing for you to do
0: Mm -hmm.
1: now what's your choice about actually physically being there with nothing to do or you just going to make yourself miserable Mm. yeah because that's what most people do yeah and you can go into that Gawinka retreat and, and get a big kick out of it. Wow, this is great. Got no <laughs> place to go with nothing to do. I can just sit here on my butt and just have a fall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's the way the attitude of going into that retreat will be a major, major thing for you. Mm-hmm. And keeping that attitude will be what the whole retreat is about.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so... I wish you best of luck. I wish you great mindfulness.
2: <laughs> thank you, thank you. My biggest concern yeah, that I Yeah, go ahead. Uh I was just saying that like the <laughs> maybe it's a bit silly, but like the only concern that I that I have, or like the main concern at least, is uh is like uh the back pain or the knee pain while sitting on that that that's the only thing that I'm <laughs> that i'm concerned with that's a, okay. because it's going to be for a long time right and yeah i i would recommend
1: that you um do not follow that as strictly as they would expect for one thing when the gawanka system got started it got started first off in burma and second off it got started in india where both indians and burmese people live a lot of their time on the floor
0: Mm -mm.
1: Thai people they sit and eat lunch on the floor Mm,
0: right
1: I've got I've got it she's 20 years old now but when I first met her she was 13 a stepdaughter and she eats lunch in the lotus posture she eats her meal Mm. sitting in the lotus posture because lotus is a very comfortable position (laughs) for her
0: now my own daughter can
1: get into the lotus posture she's seven years old because she spent a lot of time on the floor. Okay. Mm-hmm, yeah. She can also get into those traditional Thai postures that I can't even get into now.
0: Mm-hmm, yeah.
1: That's when you're sitting on your side, but your your left leg is tucked under your right leg, and you're kind of leaning because both the legs are on your right side, and you have mm-hmm. to hold yourself up straight. I think you've seen those postures.
2: I have. I have. Yeah. yeah.
1: And that's back pain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, but not if you've been doing it your whole life.
2: Yeah, of course, right.
1: That's the difference: is to recognize that this system was set up for people who were already used to sitting on the floor,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you're not. Give mm-hmm. yourself a break. At the um, at the Vika Dasa retreats at the International Dhamma Hermitage here in Thailand, they know about that big time. And they know Mm. to teach the students that that's not the way. Just sitting and just more sitting and more sitting. Give yourself a break. There's also the old, old, um, how to say it, uh, uh, politeness or uh, social conventions uh, that you're not supposed to uh, point your feet towards a king or a high-class person. Mm. In Thailand, you can get arrested for stepping on money. Because it's got the picture of the king on it. So you're like stepping Uh, in the face of the king, right? (laughs) This is just the old mentality, but that mentality then can be ossified into a really stupid rule. And Mm -hmm. the stupid rule is is that even though the only thing that you'll find at the front of your um, uh, meditation hall will be an empty altar with maybe a photograph or maybe a tape recorder or something like that, silly so you're supposed to treat that place as if god almighty or at least goenka himself were sitting up there and you are not supposed to point your feet at him right that's a silly rule a lot of people think that the only option they have is then is to either um, uh, stay seated or to move around in, in an unobstructive way what i would recommend that if your legs are hurting actually go ahead and stand up That Mm -hmm. really does relieve it. The reason for that is is because if you move from one cross legged posture to another cross legged posture. That um, the circulation stops that that your body has not gotten used to the fact the way that the Thai people are. They can pump that blood in other ways if that artery is uh, is closed off, but you don't Mm -hmm. have that choice. Your body has never had that experience. So, standing up for just five seconds or 10 seconds will be a great relief. Mm, It may be, in fact, that when somebody sees you standing up, that one of the attendants will come to tell you to sit back down. And that will be your cue before he even gets there to go ahead and sit back down so he doesn't have to scold you. You can see him on his way. (laughs) Yeah. And say, okay, and sit back down. But I would still say to take care of yourself do not sit in pain in leg pain do Mm -hmm. not let the legs go to sleep and stay asleep go do whatever movements that you need to do about the back pain the best way to handle this and in fact they may teach it to you but most students forget about it and that is is that the back pain is best managed by making sure that you're sitting up straight and tall Mm -hmm. All right, here's what we mean by that. That if you're sitting up straight, then gravity is pulling you straight down. Find your own center of gravity. You know how to do that.
0: All
1: yes. right. Uh, you have to do that to ride a bicycle. If you can't find your center of gravity, <laughs> you just fell over. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So once you're able to find your center of gravity, recognize that that will change. For instance, if you start to sloop or to slouch, yes. that. The posture now, the gravity is pulling you down, causing the back muscles extra strength Mm. or extra stuff. If you begin to have some back pain, that means that you need to adjust your back just as soon as you recognize the back pain is there. Don't sit with back pain, letting the back pain get more and more and more while you're complaining. What do I do about it? All my back hurts. I wish this time was over. That's what we do in ordinary life. The answer Mm. is, as soon as you recognize the tiniest little back pain, you straighten back up get yourself Mm -hmm. off yeah i can do this okay Okay. that's the way to do it straighten back up get your bike straight so that uh Mm -hmm. the least amount of force is on your back and then after you do that then you let it relax straight down one Mm -hmm. of the symptoms that they use is imagine that there is a um a rope or a line that's pulling you from the top of your head straight up and as soon as you get to that Cut that rope and then let yourself generally just drift straight down into a state mm-hmm. of relaxation. But the relaxation has to be straight, it mm-hmm. cannot be slumped. If it's slumped, the back pain will start again.
0: Yep.
1: Okay. Okay. Yep. So don't worry about back pain. Don't worry about leg pain. You can handle that. You've got the tools and the skills to do that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I think so too but yeah um okay, so if there's still time for like a couple of questions I I Sure, think, go ahead uh, so recently maybe like a, I don't know maybe a week ago, two weeks ago, something like that uh, I've been getting a lot of um a lot of uh when I'm meditating a lot of like activation on my, left side uh so like on, on my hands when i'm like this my thumb the tip of my thumb gets really 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 energetic uh it's like someone is like pressing it with like a an hydraulic press it's not painful or anything but it's like a very intense massage <laughs> and uh uh it's uh, it's always when i'm like this it's always like here on the left side and uh uh it it gets a bit it gets to a point where it starts actually being a little bit uncomfortable because it's too much all right let's
1: let's put it this way Um, until the end of the retreat um at the end of the retreat they will have what they called um Strong uh, determination determination sittings, right? Yeah. But most of the retreat will not be that way. So let's talk about the retreat not like that, so that we can then get ready for the retreat when we're doing the strong determination sittings. Okay. Sure. Uh, In the strong determination sittings, they have it that you do not open your eyes, or do not uncross your legs, or do not um, open your your hands. All right. that assumes that everybody has a hand posture and then, in fact, you just mentioned it where the thumbs are actually touching each other or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But that's only one of many hand movements.
0: Yes.
1: That, in fact, these are called mudras. Have you ever yes. heard of the word mudra? Do you know what the yes, word moo means?
2: Uh No.
1: The word "mu" is for the word "hand." Mm. Okay, and so hand hand movements or hand postures, and there's a lot of them. Okay, one of them is is to have the palms of the hands sitting on each of the knees.
0: Your Mm. left hand is on
1: your left knee, the right. And the the idea of this posture is what they call "touch the earth." And what mm-hmm. that means is, is that over your right knee, uh, with the, um, the, uh, the knee here, that the finger can droop down to where with you can just barely touch the floor or touch the cushion mm-hmm. or touch the cloth or touch the floor or touch the ground. This is why they call it touch the earth, is, is that when the mind gets into very, very lofty states and we don't, we, you know, we don't know what our orientation is. That we Mm. can touch the earth to get grounded again okay that's what that mudra is okay there are other mudras to where you'll have one hand on top of the other laying flat on the uh the floor another one is to put them like this and then put the thumbs together another Mm. one is to have the fingers like this there are many Mm. different mudras But each one of the mudras, if you're using the mudra properly, especially with the body scanning, is is that you're really paying attention to what the hands are doing. Hmm. Which is exactly what you were mentioning, except that you're only doing this with one mudra. Yes, rather than experimenting with various mudras.
2: Okay, I've done, I've changed my posture at least once and I had the same thing, so.
0: Okay and I, I had
2: my hands like on on the i think it was turned up on my thighs kind of like a yogi you know hindu like like this and uh, you
1: mean hands up in the air like this one yes that's also a posture i didn't didn't yeah. mention. No, not not hands in the air place. so
2: on my thighs so like let's say this is my thigh and i have okay. my hands like this right
1: Right. Okay. Right. That's the easier way to do it. The question is, yes. can you raise the air <laughs> a couple of inches off the ground and just hold them up like this? And, and, mm. and, and the question is, uh, where does the tension lie? Does the tension lie in the arms that are holding the hands in the air or do the free-floating hands themselves begin to have tension? Mm. And Let's so see. with that, you can relax the hands. The whole point, always with this, no matter what my, uh, mudra your hands are in, be aware of them and relax them. That in fact the Goenka method, like the Burmese method, follows a lot of the Satipatthana Sutta, as opposed to the Anapanasati Sutta. And in the in the Satipatthana Sutta, they most most specifically the hands interesting, hmm. so that you become mindful. Of when you're grasping, reaching, touching, but in fact, mindfulness of the hands goes along with mindfulness of the eating, so that when you are eating and chewing, your hands are doing nothing. An example of that would be if you're using uh, tools or instruments for eating, that you'll put the bowl and the tools down, put your hands in a mudra while you're now uh, mindfully chewing the food. And when the food is gone, now you can mindfully move your hands again, put your, uh, get another spoonful, put it in, put your hands back down, and now chew that bite. That's a, a, a way of being very mindful of eating, but you're also being mindful of the hands and what they're doing also.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All right. So there will be times in meditations when a particular part of the hand will have a particular different kind of sensation that you would normally expect it to have, like pressure and whatnot like that. Experiment with it. Play with it. That in fact you can come and put your hands, if you've got them on your knees and your thumb feels weird, you can bring it together and start playing with it. You can Mm. do this. Make sure that you can feel what what the hands are doing. That you're not Mm -hmm. breaking any of goenka's rules by doing this Mm. okay but what you are doing is paying close attention to what the hands are doing right here right now so you're certainly Mm -hmm. following buddha's instructions
0: (laughs) yes
2: yeah yeah.
1: okay so pay close attention to the hands Mm -hmm. and uh do that with the intention that by the end of the course you're going to be Uh, Doing a strong determination sitting And that you don't In each of those strong determination Sittings you don't have to use Always the same hand posture That you can experiment with that there But I would start the first determination Sitting with whatever you would consider Is your favorite hand posture
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. Okay Whatever your favorite is Right. Yes. Some people like the favorite of putting uh, the hands in the lap Others want to join the fingers and have the thumbs touch Others mm-hmm. want to let it be more relaxed Where the thumbs are like this mm-hmm. um, Others want to have the, um, the hand over the edge of the knees There's four or five different hand postures That are quite yeah. common And you are invited to play with all of them Make yes. us some new ones I don't recommend yes. using this posture <laughs> that will draw too much attention you want to keep your hands yes. down but other than that <laughs>
0: okay.
1: other than that allow yourself to play and experiment with your hands we, here's something kids enjoy playing with their hands marvelous mm. things we learn how to do things we develop skills with our hands when they're kids but somehow because of school and whatnot, we're taken out of our body out of our hands and put into our brain and says okay now you do one, two, threes. We do learn some motor skills in the sense of learning how to write and to draw and that kind of stuff, too. But we're not actually paying attention to the hands when we're writing. We're paying attention to the writing when we're writing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now we're given a chance to pay attention to the hands themselves. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have a whole goenka retreat of 10 days to play with your hands to really get to know them.
2: Yeah, right.
1: As part of the body, that mm-hmm. in the in the body scanning they don't spend too much time on the hands. I would recommend that in, when they're not giving actual guided meditation instructions, when you get to the hands, spend some time there because mm-hmm. there are so many neurons. Did you know that there are more neurons in the hands than there are all, all over the body everywhere else? That the mm-hmm. feet don't have uh, a lot of skin neurons. That's why things can crawl up the leg and you don't know it. I if you see. get something on the back of your hand, you're gonna know it.
2: Mm. Right.
1: Okay. hands are so good with these these tiny neurons that many people learn to see with their fingers. Mm. I do that a lot now. For instance, when when I am scratching the dog and petting the dog and rubbing the dog, I'm also doing a flea and tick inventory.
2: Ah, uh, let's see. <laughs> So that many yeah. times
1: i can just pick up a tick right under my fingernail
2: mm. okay right
1: so this is the way you do it but i did that learning to do that by working on cars when i couldn't get under the dashboard you have to be up there working on behind the dash of a car and you can't see anything about what you're doing. you got to feel your way through everything. And so you make sure that you know which cables are which and and the, you can feel the screw and which way is going to turn and, and mm-hmm. get the bolt in and put it in. And we learn to see with our hands because the hands are that sophisticated. Most people mm-hmm. don't do this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so yeah. I invite you to really get in touch with your hands to make this actually kind of a hand retreat. and especially pay attention to your hands in those times when you're not sitting when you're actually Mm -hmm. out walking and uh, going to places or when you're eating or when you're laying in your rack or whatever like that
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you've got other things to do but when you're in the rack the one kind of point that you have that you want to keep going is wow what a relief this is I feel so good now
2: yeah I think that's going to come naturally, I think, maybe, <laughs> after sitting the whole day. Uh, well,
1: you'd be surprised, though, at how many people get uncomfortable during the day and then take their discomfort to the night. So when they're laying there, feeling how relieved they actually do feel, they're not thinking about how relieved and how nice it is is're thinking about, oh, I got to get up tomorrow. Oh, another day of this. Oh, oh I don't I see. think I can handle it. When you have those kind of thoughts, recognize: Hey, you do not have to give yourself misery right now. You can postpone mm-hmm. the misery until after the retreat. Mm-hmm. Right. That they're making it yes. hard for you intentionally for you to get over that. Mm-hmm. But this yes. is not an uh, an intentional torture chamber for the for the intention of torture. They're mm-hmm. creating a torture chamber for the intention of you getting a, and raising above the torture. You can get mm-hmm. over. It you get
2: above it yes it's not yeah. you yeah yeah i i i've been getting the whole year a lot of uh all, all kinds of things happening in the hands but just this couple of weeks have been uh yeah the the thumb thing i guess has been the the most predominant thing so that's why i decided to ask um but yeah um uh, also uh just a curiosity Um. Uh, what can you talk about uh, nimittas and how they manifest themselves? How do they appear? How do they, how to identify one? Um, okay, I will go for dem- nimittas this
1: way. The Buddha never talked about nimittas. Mm. Nimittas were done for a different kind of meditation. Intentionally so. An example of that is the casino meditation, perhaps uh, one that we can uh, easily understand by calling it a mud pie. Hmm. The monks would take mud, get it into a circle and let it dry. And -hmm. then they would get, and this is not Buddhist practice, this was pre-Buddhist. This is something. Brahman stuff, I think, right? Uh, and you look at the, the mud pie, and then you close your eyes and try to recreate it on the inside of your mind. And then yes. you open the eyes again and restudy it until you can get a clear visual image of that mud pie in detail. Well, guess yep. what? Over time, the mud pie is going to change. If you lay it down, ants are going to crawl on it, something's going to happen. Maybe it gets a little bit broken, got a crack in it, whatever, like that. And so this is a dynamic, nematok, based upon the real vision. In Anapanasati. first off, um, the Buddha never talks about um, other than long, deep breathing uh, and other things like that investigating, but he doesn't talk about the nose tip. But in fact, even in the later Pali writings, it's not referred to as a nose tip. The, uh, the later writings refer to a cave. Now the question is what cave are they talking about because my imagination immediately of a cave or my conception of the cave would be the rib cage, the body, this mm-hmm. cave. That's what I would see as a cave. How that cave got up the throat, into the nostrils, out of the nostrils, onto the nose tip, I don't have mm-hmm. a clue. But it did take a thousand years for that trip to be made. Mm-hmm. We're talking about 500 AD kind of stuff now. We're talking about the the Vasudhimagga with the nose tip and all of that, but it's not in the original sutras. Mm -hmm. The next point is, is that now where does this nemata come from? The nemata comes from, if you want to do this, is that as you're breathing out, you can feel the air and the touch of the breath and all of that on the nose, but when you finish breathing out, can you still detect that feeling that sensation and then when you breathe in again the sensation changes kind of in the opposite direction like there's a really big difference between an incoming tide and an out and an undertow out okay so yes. you get to see that that's true when you're breathing in and when you're breathing out the nose tip changes but you've got mm. a whole body to play with why are these people intentionally focusing just on the nose tip when in fact that's not the teaching of the buddha mm. that there is a story in the vasudhimaga about a walled fortress that is so good that only that not even a cat can get into that walled fortress without going through the gate mm that means that if you're going to have 100 percent excellent policing in that entire fortress area all you have to do is put a guard at the gate Mm. that's the idea of guarding the breath at the nose tip Mm. it's a useful practice but there are many useful practices
2: yeah
0: so you're saying we don't
2: need to restrict ourselves to that pardon You're saying we don't need to restrict ourselves just to the tip of the nose.
1: Right. It's something that you can play with in passing, but I wouldn't spend a whole hour doing that. Mm, I see. But rather, that's part of the experience of the body. Can you, in fact, breathe out, feel Mm. the out breath at the nose tip and then continue to feel that sensation while you're not breathing? And then mm-hmm. when you take the next in breath, notice that the sensation is now changing. Mm. Okay. Okay. That nematon and that the description of it is is like a tuft of cotton or the brush of a feather or something like that. But it's just merely a sensation. You can sit there right now and start breathing in and out, and actually breathing out a little bit heavy will guarantee that you can feel that sensation at the nose tip.
0: Mm.
1: Then after the out-breath, can you still feel it? You can do that. You've got that kind of sensitivity. You know you can do that. Not a big deal. Nematizers are not that big a deal. (laughs) Until you don't understand it, and then people get confused about it, and then they get doubtful about it, and then they get jealous about it, and all this kind of other stuff. Mm. When In fact, not a big deal. Anybody can Mm. do it. But there's a lot of other stuff to do also.
0: Mm. Okay.
2: So I had, so the the idea that's like this kind of like visual light, uh, uh, circular bright light that appears in one's, uh, I don't know, uh, on the back of the eyelids or something like that. It's not, that's not it. All right. Or Let
1: me ask you this strange kind of question. You know that many places in the United States, specifically Washington and Chicago and Detroit and uh, uh, New York City and all, will have great firework displays on the 4th of July.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: Can people that are not doing fireworks have a 4th of July celebration? Are, are fireworks required? No. Okay. Therefore all of these lights that you've heard about may not actually be required. That's not yes. necessarily a goal to reach nor is yeah. it uh, remarkable once you have that. That yes in fact if that's all it is just neurons firing then if you do get a light show enjoy the light show. Right. But yes. many people when they have a light show they think it's something special.
0: Mhm.
2: Yes.
1: No, it's not something special. It's just a light show. And in fact, neurons fire that way all the time, but we don't know it. You're actually Mm -hmm. just paying attention to something that's been happening all along. Yeah. A lot of people will have the imagination that what we're talking about with this light show is is that the whole eyelids and everything lights up like the sky would in a big, expensive, spectacular 4th of July fireworks celebration. To where really what's going on is much more like shooting stars or um, uh, points of light, things like that that will appear in the, the eyes. Sometimes it'll be a streak or a shooting or something like that. But we don't generally want to pay a lot of attention to what the eyes can see when the eyes are closed. But that's actually not something much of of anapanasati other than just part of experiencing the body so getting to mm-hmm. learn to know the body is to also know that neurons fire that's what their job is and I if see. they don't get enough light on the inside for the for the rods and the cones to fire they'll fire anyway
2: mm-hmm. right
1: and it's not a big deal and sometimes they they fire a lot and sometimes they fire a little bit but in any case, uh, it is not um, let us say a tick on the to do list of enlightenment.
2: Yes, yeah, yeah.
1: It's not an item on the on the list of to do. It it's just that they happen, no big deal.
0: Mm-hmm. And if
1: they don't happen, no big deal. And if yeah. they happen and you don't notice it, no big deal.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We've talked about
1: avatars and lights and flashes and leg pain, and you've covered it. got any more questions?
2: Yeah, I, I was about to say, I don't think I have anything else for the moment <laughs> that I can think of. Um, actually, I can speak a bit. Like We were talking about um, strong determination sitting before, and uh, I've actually done a few of those. Uh, It's been a while since I've done any of that, but I've done a few of those for, I don't know, I guess, like an hour and a half, something like that. But, uh, and a a couple of interesting things have happened, uh, which was that um, what I've noticed was that, was that, so like the, when, when uh, body discomfort starts to arise and that sort of thing, uh. This is going to sound weird, I guess, but it's like, so there was, there was discomfort, but there was no suffering, uh, which was very interesting. Still today, I'm confused what that is, (laughs) but it's like. Well,
1: Goenka was actually quite big on talking about sensations, that part mm -hmm. of the scanning and part of the strong determination sittings is to teach the students that what the body is doing Is sensationalizing its experience by turning the Mm -hmm. experience into and in fact that's how the body talks. The body talks through sensation. That's its Mm -hmm. language.
2: Yes.
1: It's the mind that doesn't like some of those sensations. Yes. That we call pain. yeah. Yeah. That that sensation in the leg of, uh, for instance, ants crawling, they say in France, or the leg going to sleep, or whatever that tingling sensation, that may not be painful for some people, but other people, it will be completely terrifying and painful.
2: Yes. Yes. Right.
1: Because because you see, that's what we're talking about, that people begin to understand that their body is just the body, and pain is a mental concept.
0: Mm Mm-hmm
2: based yeah. upon the fact that we it's don't like the sensations in the body yes i actually listened to a small talk of uh, from uh, tani sarubiko any about uh fabrication uh, the fabrication of pain mental fabrication of pain uh which is uh, i guess what you were referring to and mm-hmm. yeah so what i've noticed is that like if there's no aversion to the pain like no like idea of wanting it to go away or something like that then uh seems okay it's fine Mm -hmm. uh that's what I. in this
1: case we're calling it pain only because we're in the habit of using that word yeah so we're we're talking about now the distinction between the word pain that we commonly use and the reaction of pain which is dukkha we don't
2: like yes, it. It's yes.
1: uncomfortable. You can call something pain, but it's actually not uncomfortable. It's just yes. Sensation. yes so exactly, We call yeah. it pain because we're in the habit of using the word pain. Just like yes. I'm in the habit of using the word suffering when I'm talking about Dukkha, when I know, in fact, that that's yeah. not the right answer. <laughs> not the yeah. It's exactly. just a habit. Okay. So, yes, there are some sensations that we call pain. They're not pain at all. And then there are sensations that we call pain and that really are mm-hmm. pain. And guess what? It can be the same sensation.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, another thing, like recently that I've uh, kind of figured out, I guess, is that you know, it's it's actually similar to this, I guess. But I I wasn't doing any strong termination sitting or anything like that. I was just I was sitting. I was having pain in the back, and then I just uh, I just went into it. I uh, I tried to pinpoint it, like spatially, where it was, uh, mm-hmm. and I, and as I went to pinpoint it, uh, I got to a point where the pain dissolves, or the suffering dissolves. I don't know, mm-hmm. and and, um, and then that reminded me again of that uh, Tamasaru Biko talk about the fabrication of, of suffering or of pain uh, that uh, that's like mind created. It's the uh, you know, like the way the way that I see it is that the mind is kind of like justifying it as like saying, oh, you see this, this body pain right here. This is why we have to suffer. And then you go into it and then you realize that it's not there. It doesn't really exist. And then uh, once the mind realizes that it lets go of the suffering and then you no longer suffer due to it. Um, that that was been my <laughs> my way of uh, explaining it verbally. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. But, uh,
1: that's no problem with that. Yeah. So you, but the important point is now that you're going into the retreat with the right attitude, you can handle that stuff. It's just a sensation. Yeah. You don't have to hate it. Yes. You can inspect it instead and recognize yes. that it's just your friend. I mean, your body's just giving you messages.
2: Yes. Very yeah, much yeah.
1: pain is when the human being gets a message from the body and shoots the messenger. <laughs> Right. Like generals do when the when the messenger comes to say, oh, your whole left side of the army is just under attack and they are about to lose. And the general gets bad. And so he doesn't like that information. He shoots the messenger. Mm -hmm. That's what we do, that we shoot the messenger. Um, And here the messenger is the body and we don't like it. In fact, it's just the messenger. That's all it is, just a message. Pay attention to the message, read the message. It's got good value to understand how things are. But instead, we hate that message.
0: Mm -hmm. We call it pain.
2: Yeah. Yeah, when, when when that happened to me, when I went into it and it just dissolved, I feel like I got a huge insight out of that
0: yeah. <laughs> and then
2: I kept doing it again and again.
1: And hey, I like can you... do that. Exactly. That's the yeah. insight. Hey, that stuff just dissolves right away. And it was actually easy peasy. I can do that.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. And All I've right. been
2: doing it since that it works
1: every time. <laughs> so that's so that's the so right that's attitude it. to take into that retreat. Is Yeah, you can handle this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that pain just going to dissolve away. Strong determination sitting Yeah, let me add it. I'll do two of them in a row. <laughs> yeah.
2: I think it's Without actually
1: stretching in between. <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: what I've heard is that it's a it's two hours each sit there. I think each strong determination sit is two hours. I don't know if that's true or not, but yeah, I've never done a two hour strong determination sit, so I don't know how that's gonna be. But we'll see, I guess. Um.
0: I yeah. won't go
1: into old stories right now, but I've been there, done that. <laughs> <But> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, I think that we've got kind of enough for you to get uh, yes. going on. The right attitude, that's the that's the big deal. Yes. And so uh, let's go ahead and finish this conversation. And uh, I wish you the best of joy.
0: Yes, The thank best you. of
1: attitude in your retreat. When are you going to do it? Uh, uh, Wednesday, Wednesday.
2: Wednesday, Wednesday, so okay, today three more Sunday. days, right. three more days. And okay. uh, yeah. Um, also, there's going to be a Sangha now after this, right?
1: Or am I? Yes, cooking? at four o'clock. I, I hope that you can join, that we can yeah. actually continue this conversation and other things if I can see you uh, come on the, uh, the Sangha yeah. UK. All right. Yes. So it's it in about it's uh, like
2: 15 minutes. minutes or so. Yes. All
1: right, well, we'll finish this one off, Johnny, and we'll see you in a few minutes.
0: Yes, thank you. Thank you. All righty.
1: Bye-bye.
0: Bye.